Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. We get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. We try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we serve our Lord. Really quick, just a couple, just really one quick announcement. Uh, I've I've heard uh, heard some uh, some feedback on the podcast app on your iPhone um, that it's giving you an error that you can't listen to this podcast. I've got that myself as well. So the best way to remedy that is to actually delete the app and then reinstall it. And then once you reinstall it, everything should be. Uh, should be good and and ready to go again i'm sorry i couldn't record the last couple weeks Uh, you know i've been busy with school and other things so hopefully we can start making this a a steady thing uh once again today's podcast topic i'm going to talk about do you know who your real friends are do you know who your real friends are you know the other day i was listening to a radio program uh with my brother and uh, you may have heard uh, of this guy before we listened to Dave Ramsey's radio program and if you don't know Dave Ramsey he's a guy that helps uh, college people married people single people with with their money issues and they help uh, see how they can uh, be better with their finances and most of all he helps with getting them out of debt so they can do what they actually want to do right so a young lady actually called into the show and she was a recent college graduate. I think literally she just graduated, but she's still in so much debt, right? So she was talking to, to Dave and, and she said, you know, I've been trying to get out of debt for so long. And I'm trying to be disciplined with my money and how I spend it and what I do with my money. And she was saying, I've lost a lot of friends through this. And Dave said, well, what do you mean you lost a lot of friends? She said, well, because I'm limited to what I can do. In terms of spending money and doing things and going and going places, and plus of the job I'm working, she said, "Well, you know, I, I've missed birthdays." She said, "I've missed, you know, events that they've wanted to go to. I've missed girls' nights out. I've missed, you know, weddings. I've missed planning events. I've missed all this stuff." And she said, "You know, I've lost friends because of this." And, and Dave, he simply said over the phone, "He said, ma'am." I believe those weren't even your real friends in the first place because he said your real friends, they want to see you succeed. And if that means that you can't go to their birthday party, they should understand that. If that means that they can't, uh, that you can't be at their wedding, they should understand that. Why? Because a true friend wants what's absolutely best for you. Your friends should see that you are trying to do what's best for you and get out of debt. Right. And so he simply said, you might want to, you might want to get some new friends. Right. And so that got me to thinking, do we know who our real friends are? Do we really know who our real friends are? And we're actually going to look at at Job and his three friends and kind of understand and kind of look at the things that they said and how true of a friend or friends they were to him. So let's turn our Bibles to Job chapter four. We'll start there. Job chapter four. And again, if you're new to this podcast, we use the scripture uh, to deal with every single thing because the scripture pertains to everything to life and godliness. So it can help us with anything that we go through in this life. All right. So Job chapter four. Now, before we get that, if you don't know the account of Job, again, Job was described in chapter one as a perfect man, right? Job did some great things. He had all these children, all these children. He had great wealth. He was known in the city. He was known in the gates. Job was a perfect man, right? Everyone knew Job. But Satan was walking to and fro in the earth, and he saw that God protected Job. And essentially, Satan said, well, if you take that hedge from around him, then he'll stop serving you. 
And so God said, take, take what you want from him, but don't kill him. Right? So Satan proceeds to take his health. Satan proceeds to take his children. Satan proceeds to take away everything that a man values and everything that happened or that Job valued. And Job was left with nothing. And so here in chapter four, we have Job's three friends meeting around him uh, to comfort him. And now the first friend wants to speak up and say something. Now, before we get into to chapter four really quick, here's a red flag. If this is one of your friends, if when you're going through something, when you're going through a trial or when you're going through something or anything in your life, they feel as if they have to know the answer. Or they feel as if they they know why you're going through what you're going through. Essentially, that's what Eliphaz was saying to Job here. I know exactly why you're going through what you're going through, right? So so let's look at a couple things here. Job chapter 4. <clears throat> and let's actually start um, in verse number 7. Notice what Eliphaz says to Job here. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. Or, or when were the righteous ever cut off? So, what is Eliphaz essentially telling Job there? Number one, he's telling Job, for some way, somehow, you're not innocent. Because all this stuff doesn't happen to innocent people. So, therefore, you must be guilty in some sense. So, essentially, Eliphaz first is saying, Job, what did you do? Job, what did you do to deserve all this stuff in your life? You must have done something extremely bad, right? But then notice the second question he asked. Or were the righteous ever cut off? So what is, if we're using our hermeneutic skills, what is Eliphaz implying? That Job is not righteous because all these bad things are happening in his life. You know that there's some friends that say that about you? That you're going through a certain thing in your life and they're saying you must have done something because this stuff doesn't happen to good people. Like you must have been guilty in some sense. Who, who have you wronged? What are you doing wrong? Right. Let me let me propose to you this. <clears throat> good people suffer even though they're innocent. And that's something that Eliphaz didn't understand. Think about this. Was Abel innocent in Genesis? What did Abel ever do? To Cain, nothing. What did Abel ever do to Adam or Eve? Nothing. What did Abel ever do to God? Nothing. So Abel was innocent. But what happened to Abel? Because he did the right things and Cain was mad that he did the right things. Abel lost his life. You know what I'm saying? So Abel was innocent. Or, or what about what about Jesus? Did Jesus ever do anything wrong? But what was he counted as? Guilty. Consider, what about what about Stephen? Remember him, Acts chapter 7? He preaches this great sermon about what the, their forefathers were doing and what they're doing now currently. All he did was preach the word. But what happened to Stephen? He was stoned. You see, bad things happen to good people. And that's what Eliphaz didn't understand. So Eliphaz equated evil things to Job, you must be evil. So do you think, you think that's a good friend? You know, you got to be weary. You got to, you got to be careful of people that <clears throat> always try to explain why you're going through what you're going through. 
right? Uh, well, something must have happened. Or, well, you must have done this. Or you must have done that. <clears throat> you got to be careful. Now, remember, Job didn't have just one friend there. Job had three. Notice this. Notice the second friend. Turn your Bible to Job chapter 8. Job chapter 8. <clears throat> then the second friend, Bildad, the Shewite, comes up. You know the word Bildad? You know his name means the son of contention? <laughs> so without dude even speaking, you know some contentious words are going to come out of his mouth, right? Notice this. Look at verse number 5. Look at what Bildad says. Job, if thou would seek God betimes, and if you would have made your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would wake up for you, and he would make you the habitation, and he would make you prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet your latter end shall surely increase. So, so notice what Bildad said. Bildad is saying, look, if you would have continued to seek God, if you would have continued to look after God, he would wake up and help you. So what is he implying? That I haven't been searching for God. Then in verse number six, then he says, Job, listen, if you were pure, if you were upright, God would wake up. God would help you. So essentially, why are you praying when something's wrong with you? And now he would make you your habitation of righteousness and he would make you prosperous again. So notice what Bildad is saying. Bildad is saying, look, you're wrong. You see, he was very direct with his. He was saying, you know, you're wrong. You, you, there's some way you got to you got to fix what, what's going on here. And the whole chapter, both of these guys are saying these things to Job over and over and over. Imagine. Imagine Job's mental state for a second. I was just thinking about this yesterday. You know, here's the, the challenge about standing alone in certain situations. When you stand alone and other people tell you why you're standing alone, you start to question, man, are they right? Man, is, is Bildad right? Is Eliphaz right? Man, am I wrong? Am I not righteous? Am I doing this wrong? Does God love me? You see, you start to question yourself. And it's hard to stand firm sometimes because of what other people are telling you. You know, one one advice, one piece of advice that uh, my parents gave that that's helped me a lot was sometimes you got to get away. You know, sometimes, you know, people always want to tell you their two cents of how to fix a situation or or why you're in a situation or how to. Or how to get out of a situation, right? Everybody wants to tell you their two cents of you should do X, Y, and Z, right? And, and so I think we got to give Job some credit here. Because Job, let me ask did Job ever have a reason? Like a direct, legitimate, you're going through this because of ABC. He never got a legit reason from God in the beginning or in the end. Never really got a legitimate reason of why. He went through what he went through. So Job had no idea of why. But the whole time, even though he didn't understand why, and even though everybody was telling him why, he was so strong mentally. You know, you think about how many people would have been mentally broken. Like, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, 
I was serving God all my life up to this point. And then everything's taken away, but I didn't do anything different. Like I've been serving him consistently this whole time and he takes everything. Then my friends are telling me why he's taking everything. So how, how was his mind not thinking, bro, like, man, am I wrong? Like, am I not righteous? Are Zophar, Bildad, are, Eliphaz, are these guys right? You know, one thing I learned is sometimes a lot of people are going to tell you you're wrong when you're right. So you have to stay strong when everybody's telling you that you're wrong. You see what I'm saying? Because if you stand on a principle and if you stand on the scripture, people will tell you you're wrong. Regular people will tell you you're wrong. Family will tell you you're wrong. Christian people will tell you that you're wrong. But you have to know that you're right with the scripture. You got to know that because if you don't, when all these other people give you their two cents, you're going to break. But you got it. You have to stand firm. And that's something awesome that Job was able to do. He was able to stand firm, even though he had no idea of what was happening, right? And so that that's a skill that's learned through your faith as you continue to grow and as you continue uh, to, to do the right things that Scripture wants you to do. So that's what Zophar said, or that's what, uh, what Bildad said. Now let's look at what Zophar, the last friend, says. Go to chapter 11. So let's, let's skip a couple chapters here. Chapter 11, and, and Zophar, he kind of puts the icing on the cake here. Notice what he says to Job. Look at verse uh, number four. (laughs) He says, for you have said, Job, I'm pure. You said I'm clean in God's eyes. But oh, if God would speak to you and open up his lips against you. So, so far saying, look, you keep on saying that you're pure. You keep on saying your doctrine's right. You keep on saying you're doing the right thing. But Zophar saying, man, if God would speak to you right now, he would really tell you what's on his mind. You know, there's some people that are like that. They will question your fidelity. They will question your faith because of decisions that you've made that they don't agree with. They will question your faith. So notice what Zophar said here. Zophar said, look, you keep on saying you're this and that. You keep on saying you're following what the Bible says. You keep on saying you're doing this. You keep on saying you're pure. But if God can speak, he would tell you the opposite. I've had people tell me that. That's, it's, it's crazy. People will, people will say these things. But notice verse number five or verse number six. He would show you the secrets of wisdom that they are double to that which is. Now watch how it ends. Know therefore that God exacteth or giveth, he exacteth or giveth thee less than your iniquity deserves. So he's saying, look, all the stuff that's happening to you right now, God is being merciful. He's giving you less than what you deserve. Sadly, there are friends like that too. There are friends that take, man, listen. You got a little bit right now, but you can be getting way more. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. Are those type of friends the type of friends that you want? Are those the type of friends that you want? No. To be quite honest with you, those those are not the type of friends that I would want in my life. 
You see, and going back to the example we talked about with Dave Ramsey, you know, here's here's something. Let me let me give you this example. When he talked about, you know, you might want to find some new friends. You know, there's friends that I have that when my birthday comes, I don't get a text. There's friends that I have when I have events or or when I have things or when I got no one shows up. Not saying I invite them, but I'm just saying, you know, no one makes the effort to show up. You know, when things do this and this, but when I see him, do I hold that against him? No, because guess what love does for a friend? It believes the best. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe they're trying to better themselves. You see, here's one thing that helps me out with my friends. I think about their situation. So if I got a friend that I haven't talked to in forever, my first thought isn't, man, that friend hates me or this person hates me. That's not my first thought. My first thought is to look at that guy or that girl situation. So I'll give, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but here's an example. I had a buddy of mine who grew up together. He's a Christian guy. grew up together. I see him maybe once or twice a year. Maybe once or twice a year. So throughout the year, we text every so often, but not that much, right? So when I don't get a text from him for weeks or months at end, I don't get mad at him. Why? Because dude is married. Dude's got dude's got bills. Dude's got a wife to take care of. Dude's got all this other stuff going on. So if he doesn't talk to me, I know he's got other stuff going. So why would I get mad? You see what I'm saying? So you got to start to understand and be a true friend and start to understand that people got lives. And you're not the most important thing in their life. You see what I'm saying? And that's what some people got to realize. You're not the most important thing. You got to do what's best for you, right? And then your real friends will start showing up. Now, notice really quick, just real quick, look at look at the end of Job. Now, I'll give Job credit here as well. But notice, you know, all these friends are saying these evil things about God and Job. But notice what God says, the end of uh, or verse number seven of chapter 42. I'm sorry, Job 42, seven. God says it was so after that the Lord had spoken these words unto Job. The Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Why? For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job has. So because Job stood firm, no matter what his friends told him, he did the right thing. So do you know who your real friends are? Really quick. Look at this verse. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 17. Short verse, but very profound. It says, a friend loveth at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. You know, you think about that for a second. I could have a friend that could be there during, during good times and bad times. But notice the difference between a friend and a brother. A friend is there sometimes during the good times and bad times. But notice, a brother is born for adversity. That's why he's there for adversity. 
And so we can all be better friends. I can be a better friend. And I'm not sitting here saying that I've been the perfect friend. I can be better. But I hope you can be better too. You see, and, and if we can if we can handle this situation, guess what starts to lessen in the church? Problems, complaining, gossiping, getting mad, not talking to each other, right? All that stuff can be uh, diminished if we start to act like true friends to people. Start to understand, man, man, he hasn't texted me for a while. Man, she hasn't texted me for a while. Man, they haven't talked to me in a while. Maybe they got all this stuff going on. You know, you got to start to understand and be a true friend. That's what a friend does. So do you know who your real friends are? Hopefully you have some good ones. But hopefully, you know, again, like Dave talked about before in the beginning example, there may be some people that aren't your true friends and you got to cut them off. It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that you might have to make. And so knowing who your true friends are will not only help you, but you'll help them as well. Thanks, guys.